Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. It's going to be an amazing day. Today, we're, we're continuing our series called Words of Hope. And remember, these words that we're talking about are actually words from uh, the cross that Jesus was given right before he died. And so today we're going to talk about the word victory. And uh, I want to share something with you because uh, as we talk about the word the victory, you're going to understand this in just a moment, but we're going to emphasize the words finished. Um, back in 2010, I decided to do something crazy. I don't know if I hit a midlife crisis or something, but someone challenged me to a half marathon. And so today, I am wearing a medal because I completed that half marathon. You can see my picture uh, up on the wall here. And you'll notice the finish time is 1 hour, 57 minutes, and 59 seconds. And do not give me the extra second. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Some of you know how to challenge that is. Thank you. I want you to know I did my first and last one on the same day. <laughs> but what I want to tell you is that, is that, you know, in challenging myself to do that, I trained, and so my goal was to finish under two hours, which mean, would mean I would have to run it all. That's 13.1 miles, and so we did it on Thanksgiving Day, and when I ran, uh, when I was coming in, we come by the Capitol, and then also we come up by the stadium, the Brave Stadium, that's where you finish, and I could see probably about a quarter mile, you know, the finish line about a quarter mile ahead of me, and you cross over I-20, that bridge, you cross over it, so it's all shut down. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, the last quarter mile, I'm going to sprint. I mean, I've got this pace going. And so I, I saw the finish line, and I said, go. My head said, go. My legs said, no. <laughs> and so I was not able, I mean, like I continued my pace, but I wasn't able to speed up. It was amazing how I, I couldn't do that. But when I crossed the finish line, there was people there. As soon as I crossed the finish line, man, we were yelling and screaming like, Woo, we made it. Yes, yes. I mean, there was like words of victory going off all. Yes, woo, yeah. People shouting, you know. And there was someone there handing me this medal. And this medal actually says, finisher of Atlanta Half Marathon. I finished it. I got my prize. I got my goal. And so this will be one of my prized possessions uh, until I die. Rondo will probably put it in the casket with me uh, one day. But, but anyways, it's one of my prized possessions because I actually finished that. And so I want to tell you, there was jubilation that, that happened that day because of it. Now today we're going to talk about Jesus is on his last stretch, on the cross. Remember we talked about how that Jesus is on the cross. He, when you read that account in the Bible about the, the crucifixion of Jesus, it seems like it's 30 minutes or maybe an hour. But I want you to know that Jesus was on the cross for over six hours. And the part we're about to talk about today, the words of victory, and the, this part is actually the last minutes of his life on the cross before he died. So let's pick it up. Look what it says. In John 19, it says this. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill the scripture, he said, 
I am what? I am thirsty. I'm going to explain that to you just in a moment. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, would you shout these words out with me that are underlined? You ready? Come on. It is finished. It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Now, I want to tell you that, let me back up just a little bit, because remember how it said he's thirsty? Now, why would, why would Jesus, uh, I mean, he's on his lap, he's been hanging for six hours, his throat is parched. And you know that when you're, th- in order for you to talk, your, your vocal cords have to have lubrication. That's why you have saliva that, that lubricates them. Well, when your throat's parched, when you've been hanging up, your mouth is dry, your throat is dry, and you can't talk. So Jesus wanted to be able to shout these words out. He wanted to be able to shout them out. So that's why he wanted something to drink, because he had something very important he wanted the whole world to know. And the, the words that he shouted out were, It is finished. And when he shouted those words out, the people around him were a little bit confused. The people like the Roman soldiers said, when the, he shouted those words out, they're like, Yeah, you're right, Jack. You're finished. This radical's done. You're done. Then a pilot who was a governor, Pilate's like, yeah, it's finished. No more political uprising, and I'm done with you. And the religious people, you know, thought, yeah, it's finished, all right. There's no more competition between you. We can get right back to things the way they used to be. And then there was, a, I'm sure the disciples were around Jesus, and they were saying, it's finished, all right, because the kingdom of God that you talked about now is over and it's done. And then the devil, the devil thought it's finished. The Son of Man is dead. I will get what I, what I determined to. You remember, he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be God, right? Matter of fact, any time that you try to be, like, be God, not be like God, but be God, in any situation, you're being like the devil. He got kicked out of heaven because of that, and so now, final victory, he's going to get the whole world. And it, so when Jesus said, it is finished, he said, yes, it is finished. The devil cheered, yes. All the demons cheered, yes! They made a mistake. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus did not say, I am finished. (laughs) Aren't you glad about that? He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. And so he shouted out. Now, let me go back to to, uh, the New Testament. The New Testament is written in Greek. The original writing is in Greek because that's the language that they spoke during Jesus' day. If you go back to the word that Jesus actually shouted out, now our translation breaks it down and makes it three words, but really Jesus shouted out one word, and it was Greek, and it's called tetelestai. So tetelestai means it is finished. That's why we have it in our Bibles written, it is finished, because it translates out to that. But I want you to know that so when Jesus took that last drink, he shouted out, Tetelestai! He didn't, just, he didn't just say it, he shouted out. And everyone knew that he was saying, it is finished. Work is done. Just like when I crossed that finish line, they gave me this medal to show that I had done something, accomplished the goal. At that moment, Jesus crossed the finish line. He completed the work God gave him to do. So we're going to talk about that this morning. What did Jesus, what did Jesus finish on the cross? And the, the benefits to you today. And I want to share four things with you. Ready? Let's write these down. Number one, he fulfilled what God had promised us. If you'll write that down, 
he could, that's what being on the cross is all about. Just to let you know a little history here, is that Jesus, if you go back and read the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, sometimes it can be confusing talking about Jesus because it would tell you, like, just talking about his birth. I mean, just think about this. When you're reading the Old Testament, you hear one prophecy say, you know, he's going to be in Bethlehem. Another one say he's going to be in Nazareth. Another one say he's going to be in Egypt. He's going to come out of Egypt. And so as you read that from the Old Testament, you're like, man, these guys are all jacked up until you get to the New Testament. Then you get the New Testament, you start reading that, how the birth of Jesus, remember? How that, how that the, all of a sudden Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, right? Because taxes were owed, so that's where Jesus was born. Then because Herod tried to kill Jesus, all the two-year-old boys, they had to flee to Egypt, remember that? And then they went back home to Nazareth, see that? So there in about three years, all of that is fulfilled. And, and I can imagine the Old Testament people that live in that day say, man, these guys are jacked up, but God fulfilled all those prophecies. Over 380 prophecies was fulfilled when Jesus was born and when Jesus lived and died on the cross. And then over 100 promises of God come to pass through that. Jesus, matter of fact, the verse I'm about to read to you in Luke 24 is after Jesus has died on the cross, he's come back to life now. And that, listen, that's why there's so many believers. It's because Jesus died on the cross, he come back to life, and he didn't just come back to life and say, okay, now I'll see you guys later. No, he walked on the earth for about 50 days. And so he's walking down the road with these guys here, and all of a sudden Jesus begins to say this. Look what it says. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Now notice this next phrase here. Then he opened their what? Their minds. Man, that's what needs to happen today, doesn't it? You see, more people would understand and listen to you about God, but their mind's been closed by the world. And so God has to have us to get close to them, to shine the light on God on them, and therefore when they see the light, their mind starts opening up a little more. And God has to open their minds. Okay, just, just a thought there. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scripture. So he told them, this is what was written, then Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So basically, Jesus said this. When he talked to those guys, he said, I'm back. You thought you got me. You thought it was finished, right? No, I'm back. You didn't kill me. And so uh, let's look at number two. So what did Jesus finish on the cross? Number two, he paid off the debt I owed God. Oh, this is good. He paid off the debt I owed God. How many of you, when you break a law, there's a price, right? Like if you're speeding, you get pulled over, those tickets cost you about $150. How do I know? Somebody told me. <laughs> you're right. That's for the little ones. That's running a stop sign, by the way. Uh, now I can tell you what it's like doing 27 miles an hour over. My daughter got one of those, uh, and it was very expensive. Uh, so anyways, uh, he paid our debt. Now, the reason I say about laws is this. God created law. When God created the world, he created laws. Like, there, there's, there's the laws of physics, you know, like, like the solar system is in place right now because God said, let it be so. Do you understand that? Like, I mean, like the earth is sitting here. We're actually spinning now about 1,000 miles an hour on an axis a, a tilt, and, and the sun is, is exactly this position, you know, and, and the moon is 93 million miles away. You know, all those things 
are right in place on every one because God said, okay, stay right there. He made a law that they would obey, and that's exactly what's happened. I mean, that just freaks me out. I don't know about you, but I mean, I just can't. Something's spinning in the middle of nothing and not going anywhere. Never mind. Okay, it doesn't make sense to me. But So that was a law. Also, God gave us the law of like uh, the law of gravity. Now, the law of gravity is a law, whether you believe it or not, right? It's a law. As a matter of fact, I want to prove this to you today that you can deny a law all you want to and it still doesn't change it. Okay, so I'm going to hold this Bible up just a second and I want you to shout out on the count of three, no gravity, okay? On the count of three, you shout it out. You ready? One, two, three. No gravity. Do it one more time. One, two, three. No doesn't change it. See what I'm talking about? Our world today screams out, no, no, it doesn't change God's law. No matter what you scream out, it doesn't change God's law, right? doesn't change it. There's another spiritual law. God gave spiritual laws as well. It's the law of sowing and reaping. I mean, we know that to be true, right? Matter of fact, we say it this way. What goes around? That's right. It's God's law. It's God's law. But God also gave a moral law. A moral law. How we should live morally. And uh, how many of you have ever heard the statement that, that the Jewish people are God's chosen people? Anybody ever heard that? Okay. Actually, in the, in the Bible, it's true it's God's chosen people. Now, what were they chosen to do? That's the question. What did they chosen to do? Well, God chose them to take his moral law and pass it through the whole world. You remember God gave this group of people the Ten Commandments. Remember that? And God said, your job is, is to communicate this through the whole world. And that's what their job was. Is their job was to pass off the Ten Commandments to all of us so that we would have a moral law. God's, we would know God's moral law. And so that's why it's so important. Now, I just want to tell you this, okay? There's many times that people will argue with you about God's moral law. And they will say, well, I don't believe that. I believe this. And any time that they believe something that's different from what God says, all you have to ask is, who said so? Who said so? You see, any time that we talk about a moral law, we talk about what God says, then God's the authority, right? Listen, God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. God says, thou shalt not kill. If God did not say, thou shalt not kill, then guess what? There'd be people around us that'd be dead right now, right? Okay, don't look at anybody beside you. Okay. <laughs> That's right, right? I mean, we would just knock people off. Hey, you mess with me, I just knock you off, right? But God's moral law says, hey... No, thou shalt not kill. And so that's why it's a moral law. It's not, it's not just American law. It's, you know, it's a law universal. It's God's moral law. And so anytime that anybody ever questions you about your stance, you say, well, God says so. Now, who says so for you that that's right? And many times they will say, well, I say so. Well, who are you? See what I'm talking about? Okay, maybe that'll sink in when you get home. Now, I'm giving you all kind of leverage. You're having conversations with people right now in your mind. Right? i got to go tell, tell them that. But would you agree with me that uh, if we're going to have this free will, then you know what? We're free to do whatever we want to, right? I mean, listen, right now, today, you come here by yourself, unless maybe you're a teenager or a child, you know, and you had to come. But most of us come here on our free will. We, wa we wanted to be here. You chose to come. Nobody made you. You chose. And so that free will is great. But here's what I want you to know. You can do anything you want to do with your life. You can do anything you want to do. But this is what I want you to know. You are free to make any choice you want to, but you are not free from the consequence. Did you hear that? 
You are free to do anything you want to do, but you're not free from the consequences. My stepfather actually taught me this. I remember being in the seventh grade. We had moved to Massachusetts. And, uh, yeah, can you see this southern boy going to Massachusetts? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, quite an adventure. We were there, and I remember this teacher had done something to me, and I was telling my stepfather about it. He was asking, well, how would that make you feel? I said, it just made me want to punch him. And, uh, you know, I, I asked, he asked me how I felt, and I just told him the truth. It made me want to punch him, you know. And he said this. He was so wise. He said, Jeff, I just want you to know something. You can do anything you want to do, ever you want to do, but you always remember there's a consequence for every action you take. You know what? That's true. And so I just want you to know today that we can do whatever we want to do. There's a consequence. And one of the, some of us, or all of us in this room, have, have done something wrong. Every one of us in the room have broken God's law. Would you agree with that? Every one of us have committed a sin. Every one of us. And so we've broken God's law. Jesus is the only one who ever lived on planet Earth without breaking any of God's laws. So Jesus was perfect. Therefore, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he took God's anger because God hates sin, right? I mean, it makes him mad. He hates it. But instead of God taking that anger out on us, he took that anger out on Jesus. You see how that works? Look what the Bible says here in Colossians 2 and 14. It says, he, God, canceled the record of the charges against who? Us. Against us. And took away, and took it away by doing what? Nailing it to the cross. So here's what he's saying. Is that God took his anger. The anger that he should have against you. Like, you know, we don't understand this. Because, like, it takes us, we get angry about something. And it takes a little while to get over that. But that, and you know, if, if somebody does that same thing again, we get mad again, right? Is anybody following me? We get ticked off again, right? And so, so we're like, oh, heck no, you done that one. No, you do it. No. Uh-uh. You know, shame on me if you get me once, but shame on me you get me twice. And so that's our attitude. So we think that's God's attitude. But here's what happened. God hates the sin. He hates you. When you sin, I sin, everybody sins. But instead of taking that anger out on you, he remembers the cross. And he remembers that his anger was taken out then, so he poured all of his anger out on Jesus so that he could lovingly love you back in. See what I'm talking about? Because if God just got, just think about it, if God just got really a grudge against you, you wouldn't be here. I mean, like, you know, he could just say, don't breathe. The air that you're, the air that you're taking in right now is a gift from God. And so if God didn't want you to be here, if he was mad at you, he's like... You ain't breathing no more. You can get my air. Get my air back. You dying, sucker. You see what I'm talking about? And so I just want you to know that Jesus, Jesus nailed, God nailed to the cross his anger over your sin. He nailed it so he wouldn't take it out. He took it out on Jesus. Now, he doesn't like it, but he took it out. Jesus took the price for that. Now, that's important to know because of this. Many of you in this room have asked God for forgiveness, and God has forgiven you, but... For some reason, you keep trying to say, well, i got to do more so I can make sure to earn, my way, earn God's goodness. You know, like you've disappointed God. Like when you've sinned and you've asked God to forgive you, it's like, okay, now i got to go to church now. i got to make sure I don't miss the next six months because i got to pay God back for what I did wrong. It reminds me of the story I read about a lady who, uh, who her husband had passed away. And uh, she called the insurance company up. She says, you know, uh, a life insurance company. She called him up and said, I've been paying my husband's life insurance for the past five years, and he's been dead, and I can't afford to pay it anymore. They're like, ma'am, 
We've already sent that. We keep sending that check back to you each month because it's already been paid. You don't have to keep paying for something that's already been paid. And many of you sitting in this room right now, you're trying to pay for something that Jesus has already paid for. Did you hear that? So here's what I want to tell you. When I crossed that finish line, and I that half marathon, I went across there, they gave me a medal, and on this medal, I don't know if I told you this in the beginning, but it has finisher on it. In other words, it's completed. You don't have to do it again. You know, you completed this course. Hallelujah for that. Finished. I got the picture on my wall, the medal, so I'm done. Not doing it again. Okay? Now here's what I want to tell you. When you ask God to forgive you, he forgave you of that sin, and he said, finish with that one. And he wants you to move on from that and quit living in that. Now, here's what I want to tell you. If you don't accept that God has forgiven you, you'll never forgive yourself. And when you don't forgive yourself, you'll begin to label yourself. Did you hear that? In other words, you know what? I committed adultery 10 years ago. And you know what? And so you haven't, you haven't accepted God's forgiveness. You keep praying, asking God to forgive you, but you haven't accepted and you haven't forgiven yourself. And guess what? You will start calling yourself, I'm an adulterer. And so every time you look in the mirror and you will begin to tell, label yourself, and every time you label yourself, it keeps you right on track of living that lifestyle. And guess what? If you keep labeling yourself that, you will repeat that. Does that make sense to you? I'm a drug addict. You know, I took drugs, you know, when I when high school, I smoked a joint. So now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, right now I'm 35 years old, but I haven't touched it again, but I'm a drug addict. No, 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 you're not. You've got to accept God's forgiveness, you've got to forgive yourself, and you've got to move on. You know, if you don't do that, you will label yourself, and you'll keep repeating it as long as you label it. You know, I'm an adulterer, I'm gay, I'm this, I'm that. You will label yourself. And when you label yourself, friend, you'll repeat it. And so today I just want you to understand that. Okay. So what I want to ask you to take one stance, and that is this. I want you to receive God's forgiveness. So today, on the back of your connection card, I have this one statement here. It says, I will accept God's forgiveness. I will accept it. I, want every, I hope everybody in here will check that box. I will accept it. Because, you see, they could offer me this medal all day long. They could say, you finished the race, it's done. And they could offer it to me. But until I reach out and accept it and hold it in my hand, then guess what? It's not my medal. And until you accept that Jesus has forgiven you, that you are forgiven, you can't move on. You have to accept it. That I'm forgiven. That I'm forgiven. So I ask you to check that box. Okay. Number three. It only gets better. Here we go. Number three is this. He defeated the fear of death. That's what the important words of it is finished, to tell us that he defeated the fear of death. When Jesus cried out on the cross, to tell us it is finished. What is the battle cry? It's done. The victory's won. Now look at what Hebrews says. Hebrews uh, 2 and 14, it says this. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of who? The devil. You got your pen ready? Circle these next two words and let's read them out loud. You ready? Who had? Come on, shout that out. Who had? Who does not have any more, right? Who had? See that? He did have it, but he didn't have any more. Who had the power of what? Of death. Now go and look at what it says. Only in this way could he set free all 
who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of, of dying. It's the universal fear. It's the fear of dying. Why was people so afraid to die? I'll tell you why that we used to, everybody used to, had a good reason to be afraid to die. Because when, remember when Adam and Eve was in the garden and God said, you shall surely die? Well, guess what death was? We said death, we've talked about it over and over. Death is separation from God. And so at that point, guess what? Death entered. Not only did humans die a physical death, but a spiritual. And so when men and women that were good men and women died, they didn't get to go to heaven with God because sin was still there. It separated. And so guess what? They went to a place called Abraham's bosom, and it was where the people, the righteous people actually went. They couldn't be in the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, and he shouted out, to Telestai, it is finished. Guess what? The Bible says that Jesus went into the, to the heart of the earth, and all those prison bars that had locked up these people's souls was released. And guess what? Those people got to go to heaven with God. So he died for everybody's past sin, and he died for everybody's future sin, so those people can be in heaven with God. And let me tell you something. Watch this. You don't understand this. I know you go to too many funerals and you see a body laying there and it's just confusing, isn't it? Because you hear me, preachers like me, you hear the Bible say, you're never going to die. And you say, well, Pastor Jeff, why, do, why when I go to a funeral do I see a body right there? Here it is. Let me explain it to you this way. Are you ready for this? You see, you and I don't get it. We just see the physical. The best way I can explain this to you is how it's going to go to heaven is this. Is your spirit is like this. How many of you have ever listened to, like, the radio, a DJ, and, you know, you listened to them maybe for years, and you never saw them, but you got this picture of them? Anybody, you, you ever done that? You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, this looks good. You know what? And you got this picture of this, this maybe a good-looking person. You know, man, they, I'm sure they, people look good. They got this nice voice. And then all of a sudden, you see a picture of them. They got a bald head, and just like, man, what a disappointment, right? No, maybe not. I don't know. But you know, all of a sudden you get that picture, but what you've heard, now listen, this is important. What you have heard all those years was that person's spirit. You didn't judge their physical appearance, you would judge their spirit by the words that they were saying. They were speaking from their spirit. You speak from your spirit. Here's what I want to tell you. When we get to heaven, that's the way it's going to look. Is that this body that you see down here... Well, not, it's not what it's gonna, you're actually going to look like. You're going to look like all the positive things of your spirit. That doesn't mean that you know, you're totally going to change. I don't want to confuse you, but what I mean is you're going to recognize me by my spirit. So when I die, that, that soul that you heard speak forever and ever, the personality that you know that I have is what you're going to see in heaven. In other words, this same crazy kind of guy that'll just say anything. Sometimes you go, oh my God, did he say that? Well, when I get to heaven, you're still going to go, Oh my, Jesus, he didn't say that. You know why? Because the Lord's going to make me perfect, right? I'm not going to tick anybody off in heaven. That's going to be heaven for me. I mean, you know, what's that? Like? I mean, like to be able to have a conversation and not tick anybody off, whew, that's going to be great. So my personality, so what I'm telling you is this, is that, hey, and on the way up, I've got a hair transplant coming too, so you may not recognize me. <laughs> I just want to tell you that, all right? On the way up, baby. So you may not, you got to listen for my spirit, right? you you got to say, oh, that sounds just like Jeff. That, that's what's going to be in heaven. My spirit's going to be in heaven. So, so when you die, listen, when you're not talking anymore, 
The reason is is because your spirit left your body and your personality is in heaven with Almighty God. And so when you die, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus did his work on the cross. When you die today, you don't have to worry about going to Abraham's bosom. You don't have to worry about let your body, your spirit laying there forever. No, when you quit talking, you quit breathing, your heart quits pounding, your spirit, your personality goes up. God, Jesus himself comes down, takes your hand and takes you into heaven with Almighty God. And there you're going to live and rule and reign forever and ever and ever. So you do not have to be afraid. Amen. Now, if, if I die, listen, if I die tomorrow, if I die tomorrow, don't be sad because I died. For me, now y'all make sure Rhonda sheds a tear. I want to be a little sad. I want her to be a little sad, right? Don't be sad for me. Because I'm there. Now, you know what? If you're Christ follower today, we won't be sad for you. We'll be sad for us that we're going to miss you. But you know what? We're going to say, you know what? Until we meet again. Because we're going to meet again. Amen? So don't have that fear of death. Baptism is another way to show that. It reminds us of a picture of baptism. Romans 6 and 4 says this. By our baptism, then we are buried with him. Notice this. And shared his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the death, from death by the glorious power of the Father, so also we might what? Live a new life. And baptism says that I'm going to live this new life without the fear of death. Matter of fact, we had people get baptized last week, and I just want to share this with you one more time. Will you just throw your eyes up on the screen and let's celebrate again? If you want to be baptized, you can check it on the back of your cart again for May 22nd. Okay, number four, let's write this down. He destroys Satan's power to control me. Oh, boy. I want to say as you're writing it down, listen, if you're not a Christ follower today, then listen, you're no match for the devil. And you don't have this power inside of you. That's why many people are saying today that I would come to Christ, but I've got to get my junk together first. Let me tell you something. You can't get your junk together without Jesus Christ. You've got to have His power. You cannot do it on your own. If you could do it on your own, you'd already be better, but you can't, so you can't do it. So that's why I offer you the opportunity to become a Christ follower, that you can have God's power within you. And on, so inside of your program, there's a prayer we put there every week. It's just for you that you can pray this prayer and it will help you. If you mean it in your heart, then you can become a Christ follower and God's power can live inside of you and He gives you power to overcome the enemy. Now, if you make that decision today or when you make that decision, I want you to check the box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so that we can pray for you also. Okay, are you ready for this? This is why you come today. Here it is. 
I saved the best for last. There's two ways the devil tries to control you. Are you ready? I'm going to expose him for who he is. You ready? The first way is temptation. I've got to explain this. Temptation. What is temptation? I'm going to let you write that down and then look at me when you're done. Every one of you, and me included, every one of us, every one of us, every one of us have an issue in our life that we struggle with. Our flesh wants to do something that God says is not right. Every one of us, I don't care who you are, how old you are, how young you are, I don't care. Every one of us has that. There's something. Now, what I may have struggle with is different than what you struggle with, what your neighbor struggles with, different than you, husband and wife struggle different, but we all have a struggle. So what the devil does is he tries to highlight that area in our life. He tries to always show us that area that we are weakness, we weak in, and he wants us to go there. And so what he does to us is he minimizes that. He tells us, listen, if you do that, nobody will know. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not that big a deal. And he minimizes our temptation. And so he does everything he can to tell us it's okay to do that. And when we do that, we cross the line and we sin. But I want to show you what having God's power in your life does. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Look what it says. He says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, okay, now, notice that he said, when you are, the, God expects that you're going to be tempted, okay? So you never, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're never going to outgrow your temptation. Can I tell you that? Don't, don't, some of you are sitting here saying, what's wrong with me because I, I should be over this by now. No, listen, some of you are going to carry that temptation to your grave. Most of us in this room are going to be, whatever you're tempted with, you're going to struggle with until you die. So he goes on and says, when you are tempted, look what he says. He will also provide what? Shout it out. A what? A way out. That's right. So here's what I want to tell you. Every time you're tempted, if you're a Christ follower, God will provide a way out. Now it's up to you to take it. He'll make sure. That's why when you're thinking about doing something you shouldn't have done, or you're about to do something you shouldn't do, all of a sudden a text message will come in from somebody and it'll remind you of God. Or like, you like, right in that moment, get your attention. Or maybe a phone call, or, or maybe something happens because God's trying to keep you from failing. He's making you a way out. You have to take that so that you can stand up under it. Okay, and the second thing is this. Are you ready for this? Oh, this is good. The second way the devil tries to control us is not only is temptation, but also condemnation. Condemnation. Now, what is that? Here it is. When you're tempted, he says, okay, it's no big deal. You go ahead and do it. He minimizes, minimizes, minimizes. But when you, when you step over the line and you, and you sin, everyone in this room have done that. When you step over the line, you do what you should not have done. You sin. Guess what he does? He maximizes it. He will look you at, he will, you will hear him call your name out and say, how dare you? If you were the Christian, you wouldn't have done that. God could never love you because you did that. And he'll tell you how horrible you are. If your, if your family knew, if your friends knew, if your pastor knew, you know, if your congregation knew, whatever, he will shout that out to you all the time. And that's called condemnation, constantly putting us over your head. And every time that you start to do something good, he will tell you, you're such a horrible person. You're such a bad person. You shouldn't do that. If they only knew you, if they only knew what goes through your mind, if they only knew what you did, if they only knew what you did five years ago, five minutes ago, he constantly puts that over you. But this is what Jesus says. 
He actually had the Apostle Paul write it. Look what it says. This is our memory verse, by the way. So now, in Romans 8 and 1, you might want to memorize this. So now there is no what? Shout it out. There is no what? There is no condemnation for those who belong to who? Christ Jesus. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Some of you sitting in this room, there's something happened in your life. Maybe it was an affair. Maybe it was an inappropriate relationship with somebody. Maybe you stole something. Maybe you, I don't know, whatever it is. And you've been living with this cloud and this voice telling you that you're no good because you did that. You can't get over it. And every time you start to go forward, you've asked God to forgive you. You've asked Him, please forgive you for this. And you still have those thoughts. So you're saying, Pastor Jeff, if God forgave me, why am I still having all these thoughts? Why do I still feel so bad? Why? 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 I'll tell you why. Because the enemy, your devil, knows that he cannot do anything to harm you. All he can do is intimidate you and keep you from moving forward. And the way he does that is he starts reminding you of your, your past. If you've asked God to forgive you, it is forgiven. If you're being reminded of it, it's not coming from God. It's coming from the devil. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the devil right now and say, go to hell. You go to hell, devil. Now, you can't tell nobody else to go to hell, okay? You can walk out of here. Oh, the pastor told me to cuss. Hallelujah. I like this church. Yes. You're going to go to the waiter's day. I'll tell you what my pastor told me. No. I'm telling you, I, I mean it because that's where he belongs, right? His home is there, not in your head. And so when that begins to build up in your mind and God's beginning to deal with you about going forward and you're feeling all this guilt from your past and you're feeling guilt of what happened last year and the year before and you've asked God to forgive you. No, it's not God. It's the devil. And you will no longer control me, devil. I've got that under the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven whether you like it or not. And I'm moving on with God Almighty. You can't stop me. Amen. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Today, April 24th, 2016, is a day that I put you on notice. You will never, ever get me with that again because Jesus has forgiven. And I am free. I am free. I am free. Amen. Come on, stand with me. I want you to shout it today because some of you have been carrying that. Most of you have been carrying that your whole lives. And you've been had this guilt over your head. Today we're breaking that hold. The devil is a liar. And right now we're going to shout it out. Come on, let's shout it out. I'm free. You ready? One, two, three. I'm free. Come on, one, two, three. One more time. I am free. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.